It's a privilege this morning to be here and to greet you in the precious name of Jesus. Uh, I've enjoyed the Sunday school hour. It's been challenged in my own life. And uh, I want to commend you as a congregation. Again, um, I've noticed through this week, you know, Sunday mornings are always special. And it always draws maybe the biggest crowd. But, you know, your attendance has been very consistent this week. And I commend you for that. Lord bless you for that. You've been faithful. Appreciate your prayers. I'm going to share a message this morning as the Lord enables me on family. And it's a message that is really dear to my heart. I think family is special, and I see a lot of families here this morning. And I have always said that, okay, we, we had three children, and the youngest one is at home at this point, but it's like an adult living with us because he's 25 going on 26. So by and large, our family training is over, that part of it, but I enjoyed every part of it from the young to the old. And, you know, you often hear these things, oh, you know, the terrible twos and the teenagers and all this stuff. And, you know, I would testify this morning, it was, it's been a joy. And I enjoyed every aspect of family, from the young to the old. And as we went through our Sunday school lesson this morning, and then we, in our class, it ended up pretty much focusing on prayer, which was good. And then Brother Stan led this last song, which he started this song, and I'm thinking, I don't know this song. And then we got to that second verse, and I want to remind you what we sang. It said, prayer is the simplest form of speech that infant lips can try. Now, how many of you enjoy hearing your children pray? Isn't that a blessing? And as we sang that song, it reminded me of something. I'm thinking about family and the message this morning, and then we came to that verse of that song. And I want to share this little uh, tidbit with you. Our oldest son, when he was young, Travis, uh, we were going to pray one night or something. And I think I was going somewhere. I was flying somewhere. I don't know where I was going, but I was scheduled to fly somewhere. Or maybe I had left. I don't know. And anyhow, he prayed and he said, God, please help Daddy not to wreck into the moon. (laughs) The prayer of a child. They're beautiful. One of the blessings of being a parent. Well, when I share a message like I want to share this morning, I realize that some of you may feel excluded, and I really, really don't want that to happen today. Um, Maybe you're here and you're single. Uh, Maybe you've lost husband, wife. I don't know all the situations in this congregation. But I don't want you to feel excluded this morning. I want to invite you to become a part of this message today. I don't care who you are this morning. You are an important part of family. Some way you are connected to family. You contribute to family. You influence family in some way with your life. And so I invite you this morning. I'm going to encourage you that you are invaluable and we need you too. And also, whenever I preach a message like this, I realize, and I'm well aware, that there are probably parents sitting here this morning that have children that are not walking with the Lord, not where you like to see them spiritually this morning. 
And to you parents this morning, on the onset, I'd just like to say that I believe that I can say this morning I feel your pain. And the bleeding hearts that comes from children that walk away from the Lord. And it's painful, and I know that. Well, I haven't experienced that, but I, I believe that I can identify with that this morning. And I, I have said already, and I've thought, I thought again this morning, you know, I think the hardest thing for me personally to, to, if, to ever go through in, in life on this earth would be if my children will walk away from the Lord. I don't know how I would handle that, but I want to comfort you moms and dads this morning if that's your lot in life. You know, God doesn't guarantee that our cho- children will choose God in the right way, and not all of them do. But I want to bless you, parents, this morning for being here, and I, and I trust through the message that I can encourage you also. Well, as we think about families, one of the, one of the great tragedies of, of my time that I have seen in my lifetime and living on this earth is the dismantling, uh, the dissolution, the breakdown of family. And, and you know what I'm talking about. It is all around us. Um, a man a woman that are married and have children and live in the same house, you know, that's, it's going away in our country, in the United States of America. It's going away. It isn't normal anymore. I think we could probably say that. And that's going to have unmeasurable consequences upon the future of this country. But that's the way it is. And America is redefining marriage. They are redefining what family is. I don't know if you've heard that or not. They're actually saying that family can be, it can be two men and one woman and a child. But whatever you want to put together, that can be family. So they're redefining all this stuff. And you know, when, when you go outside of God's boundaries and truth is lost, that there is just no limit to what man will come up with. Not too long ago, the USA reported, <clears throat> USA Today, I think it was, reported a survey and out of that survey, it said that 39% of Americans say that marriage is obsolete. Can you believe that? 39% of Americans say that marriage is obsolete. And so that is the society we live in today. And, and there are endless lists of statistics and negative things that we could give as an example today. <clears throat> Very discouraging. If you think about, think about where the next unsaved generation, where that's going to be. I don't even want to think about that. And that's not what we're going to think about this morning. This morning, I want to encourage families. I want to be positive. The title of the message is Parenting with Confidence. This morning, I want to encourage all of us that are part of family, which we all are somehow, some way, some form, we're part of a family. And I want to encourage all of us. Um, whether you're a mom and dad and you're right in the middle of it, or your grandma and grandpa, or whoever you are this morning, we all have a view of family. And I want to encourage us this morning that we can parent with confidence. And what I say this morning, I, I want to use scripture to back it up. That I believe that really, truly, friends, we can embrace family and we can embrace parenting with confidence. Not now, don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not talking about confidence in ourselves at all, all right? We all know that we can't do it. I was, I was thinking about this whole thing, you know, why is it? 
There are, there are a lot of things about God that I just, I omit to you this morning. I don't understand. Why is it that God gives us children and we train them and raise them and they leave and then that's our only chance? You know, we can look back and say, well, if I had a second go of it, I think I could do a lot better. But that's the way God did it. And I don't know exactly why. But I, I want to encourage you this morning that we can do it with confidence, not in our self, not in our ability or our experience or what we've read or know, and not in our strength. But my friends, this morning, I want to encourage you to parent with confidence because the author and the originator of family is God. He designed it. He said that's the way it is to be and God doesn't make mistakes. And so we can move right into it. With confidence. Again, not in ourself, but in and from God and the Word of God. <clears throat> so the way I've laid out my points this morning is, I, I call them confidence builders for parenting and family. Again, from God. The confidence because it's God's plan. It's His design. So I invite you to Genesis chapter 1 this morning. For the first point I'd like to share with you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, And God said, <coughs> Excuse me, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so we see here that God created male and female, and the Bible says that He blessed them, and He said, I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply, and I want you to replenish the earth. I want you to have children, and fill the earth with people. And so we see here in Genesis chapter 1 that family comes from God. And I already said that, but it comes from God. It's His design, it's His idea, and His plan. And so that makes it beautiful, and it makes it right, and it gives us confidence to move ahead, because it is God's plan. And I look out over the congregation this morning, and I see a man and a woman and children sitting beside you, that's family. That's what God designed, and it's beautiful. And it can't be improved upon. And I want you to notice it says in verse 28, after he made man and woman, told him, and he goes on and says, I want to be fruitful and multiply, and says, and God bless them. God's blessing, I believe, rests upon godly families. And that's important. And so this morning, if you are here and you are fit the criteria of God's design, you can rest assured today that God's blessing rests upon that. And you can move ahead. You don't have to be afraid of all the statistics that are out there and all the failures and all the heartaches, but move ahead in it with confidence because it is what God planned and it's His design. All right, the next thing I'd like to encourage you with is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
got a beautiful portion of scripture here, and I'm not going to read a lot of it, but a few verses. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 1. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine heart, in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. All right, back to verse 5, which we all know this verse, and we find it in the New Testament, but here it is in the Old Testament. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and all thy might. And I would like to say, dear people this morning, those of you that are in the middle of parenting, or you're starting parenting, or you may be a parent someday, I think it starts right here. If you want to have a family that is godly, mom and dad need to love God with all their heart. That's where parenting starts, right there. He's talking to the moms and dads. Love God with all your heart. He says in verse 6, And these words I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. That's in mom and dad's heart. And I know we look at this and we all we want our young people to, to love God with all their heart. Yes, we do, but it starts with mom and dad. You know, moms and dads, this morning, your children know what you love. They know what you love. We're to love God with all our heart, but your children, they know what you love. They can tell. They know by what your priorities are. They know by where your focus is and what your time is spent on. They know what you love. And parents, this morning, when you love God with all your heart, it is going to impact your family in a tremendously positive way. Tremendous. When He is in thine heart, your home. Think about this. When God is in your heart and you love Him with everything you've got, your home is going to be permeated with the love of God. That's going to influence your household. The holiness of God will be there. If you love Him with all your heart, the holiness of God will be there. God's nature will be there because it's in you. And so it's going to affect everything you do. And you're going to, and you're going to be a example to your children. And I want to talk about example in just a little bit. But love God with all your heart in every area of life. This story is not original with me. But there was a preacher that had three boys. And one day a stray black dog came around the preacher's house and the boys liked this dog and the dog stayed and Pretty soon the dog was their dog. And one day the preacher was in town and and a man that he knew asked him, he said, I I lost my dog. I think maybe he ended up out of your house. And this man said, you know, I, I can identify my dog because he's got 
three white hairs in his tail. And the preacher said, well, come on out and check it out. So the man came out, looked at the dog, couldn't find any white hairs. Because the preacher had pulled him out. They kept, the preacher kept the dog, but he lost his voice. Love God with all your heart. Another way that you can move ahead in parenting with confidence is if you can lead by example. And we see that here in in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, the ways of God to teach you that you might do them. He's talking to the fathers. Okay, He's not talking to the children. He's talking to, to dads, to mom and dads. He says, here it is. Here's the law of God. Here's what you are to do. And you need to do them. You need to keep the statues that I command you. And he goes on, verse 2, that you may fear the Lord, keep all his statues which I command you, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life. You see, we need to be an example, moms and dads, because the way that you obey God is your child's reference to what God is and what he wants. They look at you and they say, oh, that must be what God expects. And so it is our responsibility to lead by example. And I think we quoted earlier this week, maybe it was in children's class, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. Well, I think the most important part of that verse is to train up the child in the way he should go. And how do you do that is you go that way yourself. You set the example. Show your children what is the way to go. Wholehearted, willingly, obedience to God, setting an example for our children, embracing truth and holiness. And when they, you know, when we say it and we teach and teaching is important and you can teach and teach and teach. And sometimes it seems like it doesn't get through. But when we say something, they will consider it. But when we do it, it compels them. Example is much more compelling than what we say. I ran across this article year or two ago it was in the Calvary Messenger and it was about a man from the state of Wisconsin and you may know all about this a man by the name of Danny Gingrich somewhere in Wisconsin his wife Ada he's an Amish deacon and this account that was in the Calvary Messenger goes something like this that Danny owns a farm and one day a representative from the oil industry oil company came to Danny's house And he told Danny, he said, they've done some research and underneath his farm is a rare formation of oil, whatever it is, that's very valuable to the oil industry. And uh, he said, I'm offering you today $15 million to the mineral rights on your farm. $15 million is a true story. And Danny said, oh, I'm going to talk it over to the family. And so he discussed it with Ada, his wife, and I believe they had 10 married children. And they had a family meeting, and they came out of that family meeting, and they concluded that with such a large sum of money, it would not be necessary for him or his children or grandchildren to ever work again in their life. And so they concluded 
that it would have a negative effect on their prosperity. And so the oil representative man came back, knocked on Danny's door, and said, what do you think? And Danny said, no, no thanks, we don't want it. And the man said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $17 million. And Danny said, no thanks, I'll see you later. Now that Amish deacon isn't going to have to preach too many messages to his family about materialism. He led by example. The next point I would like to give you is nurture your children. Okay, Be an example. Love God with all your heart. Nurture your children. And I'm drawing from the Philomena verse in Ephesians, um, chapter 6, verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture. That means... um, to teach them, to instruct them, to discipline them, to train them. And so we're to bring them up, training them to be like Jesus. Train them in the way of the Lord. Train them in the ways of God. Teach them what is right, what God expects. And that is our responsibility, to nurture them in that way, to train them to be like God. They're they're not, friends, tonight, this morning, you all understand, they're not going to get it out in the world, all right? They're not going to get it there. And they shouldn't have to get it in your schoolroom. They should get it from you. All right? Train them at home. It's not the school's responsibility. It's not the teacher's responsibility. It's our responsibility. I quote our dear bishop, Brother John Slabel. He said something like this. He said, the most significant impact you can make in God's kingdom is to teach your children to follow God. That's it right there. That is the most significant impact that you can make in God's kingdom. Teach your children to follow God. And so, as we go through parenting, and you're sitting here this morning, and you want to train your children from God, you say, well, how do we do that? Where do we start? And believe me, like I said, you know, the people that have all the answers, the ones that either haven't had children yet, or they're done and gone. You know, when you're right in the middle of it, all at once, all these ideas you had, down the drain. But I'd like to give you something really basic this morning is how to train your children to godliness. If we think about the Bible and we think about God and the way God operates, and we go back to Exodus Exodus chapter 20 where the Ten Commandments are, God said there, he said, thou shalt not... Take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And he said there, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, God said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Ten commandments, alright? So when God says, um, Thou shalt not kill. Do you think God would be alright with it if we just kill one or two? Is that kind of what he meant? Huh? No. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Do you think God meant that, well, at least not more than a couple might be right? No, that's not what God meant. You see, when God says no, he means no. And that's an important concept 
that we as adults need to understand about God. Yes, we understand that. When God said, you don't murder anybody, you don't murder anybody. Zero. None. And you can follow that concept through the whole Bible from the front to the back. God is consistent. He is constant in requiring complete obedience. And that's basic for every Christian. So friends, this morning, training children in the way of God, I believe that it starts at the very same place. Train your children that no means no. Train your children that when you say come, it means come. Train your children that when you say don't do that, it means don't do that. And they're listening this morning. Train them that way. Okay? That's the way God operates. And I believe that's the way he, that we would train our children to be godly. That's the basic principle of God. And so, if you tell your children, no, don't do that. Stop it. And the child keeps right on going and runs through those stop signs. Then that's a problem. And don't ignore the problem. Alright? That's a problem. And I, and you know, children, they always behave their worst when the preacher's around, right? Ever notice that? Preacher's around, oh, then the children don't behave. But, you know, I have seen things, and I have seen moms and dads, and they're saying, no, don't do that. Johnny, don't do that. Johnny, don't do that. And he just keeps right on doing it. Or stop doing that, they keep right on doing it. And stop doing it, and, you know, they just can't get them to obey. And finally, mom or dad says, you know, they just really need a nap. Hmm. Yeah, we're probably all guilty of saying that. They need a nap. Well, they might need a nap. But you know what? They need to learn that no means no. You train your children in the ways of God. Because if your child doesn't get it, that no means no, when he is young, he's going to run right through God's stop signs when he gets older. And so it's our responsibility to train him that no means no. And there's lots of things to be said about child training, and I don't have all the answers, folks. But I know that God, when he says no, it means no. But I would like to also say that rules without relationship breeds rebellion. Discipline alone tends to separate the child's heart from the parent's heart. But you combine discipline with love and relationship, it has a tremendous pulling effect on the heart of that child. And that's the way God designed it to be. It's amazing. All right, my next point would be this. And I like to, if you're in your Bibles and you want to turn to Psalm 78. Consider your children as a life mission. I don't know if that's the proper way to say it or not, but I know what I mean. Consider your children as a life mission. Uh, Just a couple verses here. Psalm 78, maybe verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. 
that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And so he's saying here that as fathers, we know the commandments of God and we are to make those known to our children. That's what he's saying in verse five. And so we're to be missionaries to our children. That's really what I'm trying to say today. They are our mission field. They are our first responsibility as a mission field. And we are to tell them the ways of God that they may know and they may tell you that they may tell their children. It's a multi-generational faith that they might set their hope in God. That's what these verses are saying. Your children are your mission field. And I think back of Noah in the Old Testament. You know, a man used by God and he built this big ark and he hundred years in building this big ark and you would think, wow, should have been a thousand or a million people that come in the ark. It was only eight and it was just his children. And God calls him a preacher of righteousness. He was effective to the most important mission field in his life. His sons and their wives were in the ark. You know, your children are born sinners. They're born sinners. Carnal nature, sinful nature. They're little rebels. And you can tell it not long after they're born. They cry. When they don't get what they want, they cry and they whine. And they fight. And they don't act much like Christians. They don't want to listen when you say no. Oh no, they want to run right through those stop signs. You see, they're, they're born with a carnal nature. Your children need to have Jesus in their heart. They need to be born again. They need to be saved. They need to learn to keep God's commandments. Yes, they've been born once by flesh and blood. They're born in the hospital, but they need to be born again by the Spirit of God. And they're your mission field. And I don't know how to say this. And and maybe I'm not right, and I stand to be corrected. But fathers, expect your children to get saved. Expect that. They ought to grow up knowing that you expect them to be a real Christian. Expect that. Expect them to be active in your church. Of course, set the example for that. Fathers, make it your goal, your vision, that 100% of your children are saved. And I know you probably do. I'm not doubting that this morning. But I think that that we we move ahead with confidence and and they should know that we expect them. You know, God said when he called Abraham, I'm going to call him because he will command his children after. He means that he will compel them. He said, Abraham's a man that's going to walk in righteousness and he's going to tell his children, this is the right way to go and I expect you to go that way. Can't make him do it. You can't force him. I'm just not okay with the mentality that it's normal to lose a percentage of our children to the world. I'm just not okay with the mentality. And so we know that, I know that you know that your children all have a soul, an eternal soul. And I know that we cannot force them to choose God but are we willing as moms and dads to do what we got to do as often as we got to do it for the saving of the souls of our children?
Are we willing to be a missionary? Jesus Christ is coming back, and we've talked about this uh, this week, to receive his bride. And you know what? Think about this. Some soul will be the last soul saved. And the last soul saved might be your son or daughter or your grandchild. The next point I'd like to make is moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, stay on the porch. Stay on the porch. I'm referring back to the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. I'm not going to read that story. Do you know the story of a father that had two sons? One of them was obedient. One was a rebel. The Bible calls him a prodigal son. He got upset with his dad. He got fed up with the farm. He said, I'm leaving. I am out of here. I'm sick of it. I'm going to go live my life. And he got his inheritance from dad and off he went to the city. And it says that he wasted his life. He wasted everything. He wasted his money away. wasted his life. He came to the end of himself. He said, you know what? I am so foolish. And he finally saw himself as God saw him. He said, you know, I'm going to go back. I'm not even be worthy to sit down at mom and dad's table and be called their son. But I'm going to ask dad if I can have a job on the farm. That very place that he hated and despised. He said, he came to the end of himself. He said, I'm going to ask dad for a job. That's what I'm going to do. And the Bible says that this young man came back home. He was a miserable, wretched wreck. Dirty, filthy, slimy, smelled like the hogs. And the Bible, well, I need to read what the Bible says. I'm going to read one verse here. It's in Luke 15, verse 20, I believe it is. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Dad was on the porch. And I know I'm using my imagination this morning. Allow me to do that, please. But I believe that dad was watching. Dad was praying as we talked about this morning. He had a heart for his son that had run off to the city. And he was praying. And so dad was constantly watching the lane. Maybe someday, maybe today will be the day that my son comes back. And one day, dad, and I'm using my imagination, but maybe he was on the porch looking down the lane, sitting on the rocking chair, whatever. And he sees this figure coming down the road and he watches and he says, you know what? I think that's my son. The Bible says he arose and he ran down the lane and he put his arms around him and he welcomed him home. But you know what? That dad stayed on the porch. He didn't follow his son to the city. When his son went off into sin, he didn't follow him there. Dad didn't compromise. He stood on truth. He stayed on the porch. He didn't compromise with his son. When his son wanted to bring the TV in the house, he didn't say, well, okay, if you stay at home, I'll let you do that. He didn't compromise and say, you know, uh, you can bring your beer parties here to the house. He didn't say that. He didn't give his blessing to the ungodly girlfriend. Dad stood for truth. And he stayed right there on the porch. He maintained the principles and the doctrines, the center of the will of God. Dad stayed on the porch and his son knew where to go when he was ready to find truth. My friends tonight, this morning, moms and dads, leave the light on. Stay on the porch. 
Stand on truth. Don't compromise. Grandmas and grandpas. Oh, it burdens my heart when I see moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and they got children that have moved away from truth and so they move a little closer to them. No, don't do that. Stay on the principles of truth. Stay on the porch so that your children and grandchildren have a point of reference to come back to God. Because if we move off the porch, they don't know where to go. Parenting with confidence doesn't mean our children will choose God. It doesn't mean that we have the answers, the talent, the ability at all. But it means that we can have confidence this morning that family is right. It's God's way. And when we follow God's way, God's blessing will rest on the family, upon mom and dad. And so pursue family with enthusiasm. With a passion. Because God ordained it. And there are great rewards to it. Someone's son or daughter will be the last one saved. It might be your own. Now I got something I want to say yet to the Mothers here this morning. Then I got something I want to say to the fathers. What I want to say to the mamas is written in a song that I'm going to read. Somebody somewhere was praying that night when Jesus came in and I saw the light. It must have been mama. I heard her before. As her prayers touched a master, her tears touched the floor. She held to the altar and would not give in till she knew all her children had been born again. Just an old-fashioned mama, but she loved the Lord, and her prayers touched the master as her tears touched the floor. Thank you, mama, for praying for me. If you had not prayed, then where would I be? They call you old-fashioned, but you love the Lord, and your prayers touched the master as your tears touched the floor. Mama's here this morning. I got one thing to say to you. Pray. Never, ever give up praying for your children, your grandchildren. Never, ever give up. There are many, many young men, young women in the church today of Jesus Christ because of Mama's prayers that have touched the Master and her tears touched the floor. To you fathers this morning, I'm going to take a scripture in the book of Exodus, and it is a great account, the story of God bringing his people out of Egypt, and we got Moses, and and we got the, the ten plagues, and It's a wonderful story to read, and it shows the power and the majesty of God in bringing his people out and and all these plagues, and, and it just shows the marvelous of God and the glory of God.
And then we come down to the last and final plague, the death of the firstborn. And God said, this is it. This is what's going to break their back, and I'm going to slay the firstborn of every household in Egypt. And again, the lesson is there again about the power of God and the glory of God. But I, inside this lesson, I find another lesson that pertains to me as a father, and I want to share that with you men this morning. The father had a role to play in this thing. I'm talking about the Israelite fathers now. Moses, by God, had given specific instructions of this last plague. He said, you know, on the I think it was the first month of the year, in the tenth day of the month, you dads, the fathers were to go get a lamb, bring it into the household or in the barn or something, and hold it there. And they were to hold it for four days, and then they were, had directions. They were to slay it and take the blood and put it on the doorpost of the home so that their children, so that the oldest of their family would not be killed in this plague. It was to spare their children. I believe that there's a lesson there for dads today. And I think that, you know, we read this story, but I think inside this story there was a lot of drama. There was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of responsibility on dad. And that's what I want you to pick up today. And so, you fathers this morning, if you can, with me, imagine, imagine yourself as an Israelite father this morning. Can you do that for me? And it says here that Moses called for all the elders of Israel, said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, kill the Passover, take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, strike the lintel on the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will smite, come through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel on the two sides of the post, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. Okay, so there we got the instruction of God. And so, let's imagine ourselves as an Israelite father this morning, and the day has come, the 14th day of the month, and Moses says, okay, go kill your lamb. You had prepared the lamb. It was in your little barn or by your house, and so you as a father take that lamb, and you have a basin, and you slit his throat, and all that blood runs down in that basin. And then you take that basin of blood, and you take this hyssop, a weed, and you paint the side post of your front door entrance in the head, the lintel, you use all the paint up and you, the blood up and you paint it on the doorpost, just like God had commanded you to do. And then you eat the lamb and, and evening comes on and, the, and God had given specific instructions. You don't go out of the house. You stay in the house. And so evening comes on, supper's over with, darkness starts to settle in and you light a candle and you say, children, it's time to go to bed. And you kiss them goodnight. They go up the stairs, go up to their bedrooms. The house becomes very quiet. You and your wife are sitting there, this little candle burning, maybe a book on your lap, but not reading because there is a lot on your mind as a father. Tonight, the Lord is going to go through and he's going to kill the oldest one in every house. There's not much conversation between your wife, maybe and I'm using my imagination, maybe 10 o'clock you say, Honey, why don't you go to bed? I'll, I'll be alone. And so your wife goes off to bed, and you're sitting there by yourself, and 11.30, you hear steps coming down from upstairs, and here comes your oldest child, maybe his son. And you say, Son, 
why aren't you sleeping? It's 1130. And he says, Daddy, I can't sleep. And you say, why can't you sleep, son? He says, Daddy, I'm afraid. I know what's supposed to happen tonight. I'm afraid. And you say, son, look. And maybe you stick your head out the door and say, son, look. Look at the blood. Look at the blood on this side and that side on the top. Son, I used all the blood. You can go back to bed. You are safe. The blood has been applied. And your son goes back to bed. Fathers, tonight, this morning, I ask you, are your children spiritually safe under your care? Has the blood been applied to the doorpost of your home? Have you done? Are you doing what you can do as a father? Are your children safe under your spiritual leadership? God will not hold you fathers accountable for what your children choose, but he will hold you accountable for getting the blood on the doorpost of your home. Shall we pray? Father.